0: I hope you know him. i tell you what a blessing it is to have the Lord in your life, regardless of what might come along, what you might have to go through. God's always there. Amen. And I love that part about he knows my name. Amen. And uh, anyway, uh, <clears throat> again, great to be with you all today. And I do hope you'll take a look at the book table. There's a lot of Debbie's music uh, back there. In fact, that song... I believe that song is in volume three of Songs for My King. There are three, uh, three um, spiral books uh, as well as uh, three patriotic songs that are um, all, uh, all there and then a couple uh, CDs as well. Lois and I are hoping to make a CD at some point, and uh, we've been challenged, she has been challenged to do a flute CD. So that's uh, that's something that we're considering at some point. She's a little nervous about that, but I'll tell you, we've been married since uh, February 4th and just absolutely loving it. Uh, God's been very kind to us, and uh, we're having a good time serving the Lord together And wherever the Lord gives us uh, opportunity. Um, as far as the books back there, just briefly... A lot of things I carry, but there are some topics that are, that are very important to me. Number one, this book, this King James Bible, is, is God's perfect word. There's not one mistake in it. It has been preserved for us. Uh, it couldn't have been improved on. There's not a better rendering or a better, a better translation. Uh, you know, it, it is God's word. And you'll find several books over there on the King James Bible on the far left. And then moving down the line, I, I'm Baptist. Not just because mom and dad were Baptist, Amen. I'm Baptist by conviction, and I I believe that Jesus started a church. He said he would Matthew 16:18, and uh, and he promised to uh, to give his church the word we use is perpetuity. In other words, it'll always be there, <laughs> just just like the old book, Amen. And he promised it always to always be there, and uh, and he gave that same promise to his church. I believe the church Jesus started was a Baptist church. A lot of books on that back there. The little book called The Trail of Blood. Every Christian needs to read that little book if you have not read it if you don't have that I'd I'd, uh, strongly encourage you to get that little booklet and uh, and then there's some other various topics and then we come down to the center of the table there's books on grief after Debbie passed the Lord laid on my heart to to write a book I and the title of the book is when a child of God dies from one grieving heart to another uh, I talk about what takes place when we, when a Christian leaves this world. Some things that actually happen. And it's re- really cool when you, when you see them in Scripture. Uh, and then, uh, and then, what do we go? Well, how do we go on? as as one that's left behind uh how do we face tomorrow how do we continue on Uh, no you don't stay in a dark room in the corner of the house somewhere and no no you you get get into the house of god and and uh, god's got a plan for us god will bring us through give us strength again i use bible examples on what to do uh when the lord takes a loved one home so i'd encourage you to, to consider that book along with several others on on grief there as well and uh A lot of books for teenagers and young people. I encourage you to look at that also while you're at it. We'll be in the book of Genesis this morning. If you'd like to take your Bible and go with me to Genesis chapter 40. Genesis 40. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. If you have your place in the Scriptures under Abel, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Genesis 40, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers, And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in ward. Verse 5, And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? The title of the message this morning, When Sadness Comes Our Way. <clears throat> now we all experience times of sadness, amen? Uh, but as a Christian, we should not stay there. All right, and I want to take a little bit of time and show you from the scripture some things that I found that can actually trigger sadness in our lives, amen? Some causes, sadness maybe if we know what causes it we can head some of them off at the pass and not have to experience that amen Uh, but not all are like that sometimes they're beyond beyond our control and uh, and it does affect all of us but then i'll show you from the word of god how we can overcome that sadness how do we go on let's pray father we thank you again for your blessings thank you for the privilege of being in your house this morning Uh, lord uh, i pray you'd speak to our hearts God, show us something that will help us from your word, challenge us. God, if there'd be one today that has never been saved, I pray you'd save their soul. Lord, that we would all know that heaven is our eternal home. Lord, uh, one of these days we're leaving this old world, and Lord, we want to be with you. We want to be uh, walking those streets of gold, uh, inhabiting that place called heaven. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd uh, help me this morning. God, I, I need you. I just want to be a, a blessing to these folks, and we'll thank you. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. We all experience it. It all comes to us. We all have sadness, but maybe knowing where it comes from, we can bypass some of that. First one I want to look at is right here in our in our text passage. I, if you'll look with me, here in uh, verses seven and eight. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore, look ye so sadly today? In other words, why are you sad? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong unto God? Uh, tell me them, I pray you. Now you know the story. Uh, they each had a dream, and and they tell their dream to Joseph. Joseph interprets the dream, and and all. But but I want you, I want to point out to you that a lack of understanding can cause sadness in our lives. You see, they each dreamed a dream. They hadn't gotten to the interpretation yet, preacher. They, they didn't know what the interpretation was. The interpretation would have made one of them overjoyed and certainly would have caused sadness in the, in the heart of the other one. But they hadn't gotten to that point yet, but they didn't understand the dream. Things that we don't understand sometimes can cause uh, can cause sadness. Uh, and maybe I, I don't understand why this happened in my life. Don't understand why that happened. Don't understand why they closed that road and I need to get to the other side. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of things sometimes. But if you understood it, you might say, "Well, it's about time they fix that problem." You know, and and and. It, it, but just not understanding uh, can make things difficult sometimes. And then if you would go to Genesis chapter four. I'm so glad that God understands. Amen. Isaiah 4, 147 verse 5. A great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. If I don't understand, it might frustrate me, but at least I know my God understands. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3. And, it, and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Or in other words, Cain was sad. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance falling? If thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now, <clears throat> jealousy. Jealousy can cause sadness in our lives. You see, uh, Cain was jealous of his brother Abel. They both, both brought an offering. All right. They both brought an offering, and the Lord said, uh, "I love that offering that you brought me, uh, Abel." But he looks at Cain's offering, says, "I'm not impressed," and it bothered Cain. And, and to be honest with you, humanly speaking, I kind of understand. I was a farm boy. Okay, we we raised crops. We we ra- we had a huge garden, and uh, and we also raised cattle. All right, and and I know I know what it takes to put beef on the table. All right, you need a you need a, a, a fenced in area to put that to put that steer. You need a lot of corn. You need hay. You need grass. You need water. And wait, oh well, oh, and there's also cleaning the barn. All right, <laughs> unless I fail to mention. <laughs> but but when it comes to veggies, you, you've got you've got to till the soil. You've got to plow it, you've got to disc it, you, you've got to cultivate, you, you, you plant, okay, you, you, you plant the, the seeds, you, you cultivate, and, and, and now if, if you were my, my, my dad's child, you had to have perfectly straight rows, okay, and, and the seeds had to be just so far apart, each one, depending on what you were planting, some of them were that far apart, some of them were real close together, all right, and a lot of time went into that. And then the weeds start growing, and trust me, the weeds come up before the before the plant that you before the seed that you planted germinate. The weeds are coming, and you got to pull the weeds, but be careful, don't pull the plant too. All right, and and it's just a never-ending job. If it doesn't rain, you've got to water it, and 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 then and then when it's all done, and I mean everything's looking great, you got to go pick the stuff. Lot of work. <laughs> all right, and Abel, I worked or Cain worked very hard to provide his offering. Very hard. But you see, a blood sacrifice was required. Daddy told those boys what type of sacrifice to bring. I'm sure of that. I mean, how how, how would uh, Cain have known to bring a blood sacrifice if Daddy hadn't taught him? So in his anger and in his jealousy, he slays his brother. I uh, Also, uh, want you to know that I remember King Ahab, when Ahab, Ahab's neighbor, his name was Naboth. Naboth had a vineyard and <laughs> Ahab loved that vineyard. He wanted that vineyard and, and his, his neighbor wouldn't sell it to him. Ahab wanted it. his neighbor wouldn't sell it to him. And, and, and so here comes Ahab. He comes into, it's in 1 Kings chapter 21, if you don't want to look it up later. But, but Ahab comes in the house and, and, his, and his wife asks him, why are you so sad about What's the problem? Well, Naboth won't sell me his vineyard and he's pouting, okay? Well, you know what happened. You recall, uh, she, has, she has the neighbor killed and says, take possession of your vineyard, okay? So, but, but the thing is, it was jealousy, that created the sadness. And, and might I note that jealousy in both cases caused the death of an innocent man? There's no place for jealousy in the life of a Christian. 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel 1. For Samuel 1, beginning in verse 4. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave unto Paniah, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Uh, <clears throat> now, Hannah goes to the house of God, and, uh, and she prays, all right? Eli, the priest, uh, he doesn't really feel or doesn't notice or doesn't realize what's going on. Here she is praying at the altar, and and, uh, he thinks thinks she's drunk. But we're going to pick up the story in in verse 15. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So notice, the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Unfulfilled dreams can cause sadness in our lives she had a dream of, of, of uh, bearing a child bearing a man child for her husband she had that dream and and it just seemed like it wouldn't happen year after year after year she did not see her dream come to fruition and uh, and it was it was very hard for her but I want you to notice a couple things about this number one uh, <clears throat> what did she do when, when, when it really began to bother her when that when that unfulfilled dream caused sadness in her heart. She goes, number one, she goes to the house of God, to the altar at the house of God. When, you, when you're carrying a burden, whatever it is, all right, whether it be an unfulfilled dream, whatever, whatever it might be, the cause of sadness or there's a burden on your heart, you bring it to the altar of God, amen? That's, that's what this place is for. Now, they might ha- it may have burlap on it, but you can still use it. If you can't get to the altar, you can use the front pew, get as close as you can. You get to the altar of God and you bring God your burden. That's what she did. She took the burden to God. Now, <clears throat> I want you to notice, when did the burden leave? When, when did the sadness go away? Uh, notice notice verse, uh, uh, verse 17. Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition. Now, she, did, she didn't ask Eli the petition. She asked God. Sometimes, sometimes you'll have a burden on your heart, folks. There'll be something on your heart and your... And, and what do you do? You come to the altar of God or, or you, you pray at home and you're talking to the Lord about it and you say, Lord, I'm carrying a burden. Lord, I need an answer. And, and the Lord gives the answer, but you didn't hear it. No, the Lord gives the answer to Pastor Rice. Pastor Rice stands up in the pulpit and preaches the answer, but you stayed home because you're sad. <laughs> Uh, God gave the man of God the answer and the man of God told her, go in peace. God has granted your desire, your, your birth. She believed in the next verse. She believes the man of God. She gets up, she breaks her fast. She goes away and her sadness has left her. Amen. I, hey i'll tell you what uh, you can you can trust the lord now now let me also say uh, there are a lot of things in in her case it was it was a, a desire for a child that that she could not she could not bear and uh, some of you maybe have had that issue and have dealt with that uh, that is uh, that is not all that uncommon and the lord can fix that he may choose to he may choose not to but he will give strength and he will he will give grace amen but there are a lot of things that can can cause that can cause this a lot a lot of times there's there there's something we have a desire to do that just won't come together and maybe it's a good thing okay i i mentioned debbie going to be with the lord Uh, After Debbie passed, I I was looking through some of her music and some of her music notes that she'd made, poetry and things that songs that she was working on. And I ran across this. I had forgotten all about it. But she had had burdens, uh, things that she wanted to do, unfulfilled dreams, I should say, uh, that she had and had had for years. Uh, a lot of it was music-related, other things. She loved teaching ladies, and, uh, and she had opportunities, but she desired more. She desired to, 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 to write for ladies, a lot, a lot of things that she had a desire to do. And, and she wrote this poem, and I just want to share it with you. Perhaps it will be a, a help to you along, along these lines. By the way, I did include the poem in my book if you'd like to get a copy of it. It's entitled, Just Beyond My Reach. There have been so many things I thought I'd like to do. Noble, sweet ambitions, and soon my musings grew. They blossomed into lovely dreams of actions, song, and speech, but my heart was disappointed. They were just beyond my reach. In the garden of my dreams are flowers of every hue, so fragrant and alluring, but are they right and true? Please come into my garden, Lord, and pull each selfish bloom, that I might have the best of dreams, a dream that's straight from you. There is one who knows me well, yet loved me from the start. He is the Rose of Sharon who lives within my heart. And when I'm disappointed over a lofty dream for me, I'll think about my Savior whose dream was Calvary. So if there is some flowery dreams fulfillment I don't see, I'll trust my Heavenly Father to know what's best for me. And when I see my Savior's face and worship at his feet, I'll never have another dream that's just beyond my reach. Just beyond my reach, I could not understand why the Lord had prevented what seemed the best of plans. I gaze into my empty hands and fall upon my knees. And in that time of stillness, my father speaks to me. There were reasons that those dreams of mine, such lovely plans within my mind, were plucked because of loving grace and by wiser hands moved to a place that was just beyond my reach. Trust the Lord with those things you don't understand, those, those dreams that are just beyond your reach. Amen. Trust, trust the Lord with those and, uh, and you go on. Uh, and then if you would go to Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. A selfless concern for the needs of others can cause sadness. You see, <clears throat> Nehemiah got word that, that Jerusalem was, had been decimated. The, the, uh, the, the gates were burned, the walls were broken down, and, and it tore him up. He loved Jerusalem, amen? He loved the holy city. And when he, when he realized the condition of Jerusalem, it, it, it broke his heart. And, and, it, and, it, and it caused sadness in his heart. Now, now has there ever been a time that, that, that you were sad and you managed to hide it? I'm sure every one of us could raise our hand. (laughs) Some of you are sad right now, but you you got a smile on your face. You came to the house of God and, and everybody around you thinks everything is just fine. But inside, your heart's breaking. Something's not right. It got to the point where Nehemiah could no longer hide it. Sometimes it gets to that point. For Nehemiah to go before the king with a sad countenance could have meant certain death. He tried his best, and he hid it for a long time. It'd been quite some time since he got the word before he actually speaks to the king. The king picks up on it and says, hey buddy, something's not right here. And he shares his burden with the king. Now, you know, the Lord used that and, and touched the king's heart and the king provided, gave him leave of absence and provided uh, even finances to where the work could be done. And Nehemiah goes back and the Lord uses him to rebuild the walls and the gates at, at Jerusalem. But it was a selfless concern for the needs of others that brought sadness in his life. And you and I deal with that, I am quite sure, on a regular basis. If you're a soul winner, if you hand out gospel tracts, you deal with this. I guarantee you, you deal with it. You, you reach in your pocket, you hand somebody a tract, and you say, here, would you take a minute and read this? It'll tell you how you can, go, how you can be sure you're going to heaven when you die. they say, I don't need that trash. Get that out of here. You leave me alone. I don't need that. Doesn't that tear you up? Because you know in your heart, you know if they don't get saved, they're going to hell. And if you care at all about them, that's going to make you sad. When you turn the news on in the morning and you look at the condition of America, it's it's kind of like what Nehemiah saw. Now, maybe our gates haven't been burned and the walls aren't broken down, but they won't build them up. Crazy. And, and, And we say, oh my, I can't believe the state of our country. I can't believe the condition of America, how godless she is. And it tears us up. It breaks our heart. Can I advise you to spend more time in the book than you do in front of the television? Amen. Amen. All right. Don't, don't dwell on those things that cause that. Even though they're not bad things, it's, it's all right to be sad for America. It's all right to be sad for, for a lost soul. Maybe the next person you hand a with will say, well, thank you. I would like to know how to get to heaven, and you could just stop right there and lead them to the Lord. Amen. I've done it. That's it's wonderful. But the, not everybody receives them that way. But but you got to you got to go on. All right, as a Christian, we don't stay there regardless of what causes uh, the sadness in, in in our lives. Amen. Uh, sometimes the condition of our children. Sometimes their disobedience. See, a lot of things will cause sadness uh, in in the area of a selfless concern for others. Then, if you would Psalm. 51. Now, David loved the Lord. David served the Lord, but David was not perfect. All right. You and I love the Lord. We do our best to serve the Lord. But anybody here perfect this morning? (laughs) Pastor Jacob's probably the closest one, but but (laughs) he was smiling when I said that. (laughs) No, we, uh, uh, we all fail the Lord. And David, David sinned terribly. Uh, had relations with a married woman, Bathsheba. And then to try to cover it up, murders her husband. But the man of God, Nathan the prophet, brings it to his attention. And so many times when, when we're caught in sin, okay, maybe nobody else caught us, but God saw it. Amen. And God will use his preacher to bring it to our attention. Uh, and when Pastor Rice gets up and preaches something, our toes get stepped on. Don't get mad at him. Don't wonder who told. Okay, it was probably the Lord that told. All right, and then he may not even know, but he's preaching the message. He might know. All right? You'd be surprised how many people know when we do wrong. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, when confronted with this sin, uh, you, you'll see here in, in Psalm 51 that David gets right with God. Now, I want you to notice here in verse eight. Psalm 51, verse eight, make me to hear joy. And gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Make me to hear joy and gladness. So apparently, he's not hearing joy and gladness at the time. Now, the absence of joy is what, church? Sadness, right? All right, drop down to verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. In other words, he he lost his joy and uphold me with thy free spirit. Unconfessed sin will cause sadness in our lives. Unconfessed sin. Now sin will cause sadness, all right? But unconfessed sin really causes sadness. You see, when I sin and I get right, and, and the Holy Spirit convicts me, and I say, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, and I get right. But, but when I hang on to that and I refuse to confess it, <clears throat> David didn't confess it right away. But after, after the preacher brought it to his attention, he got right with God. Uh, when we get right with God over the sin in our lives, again, <laughs> this altar, it, it, it ought to be one of your favorite places to be. I, I mean, really, really. It ought to be a place that we frequent. We frequent the altar. Uh, maybe in an, an answer or looking for an answer to a burden that we're carrying uh, to relieve some sadness. It might be to get right with God. Unconfessed sin, I guarantee you, will cause sadness in your in your life. All right, and then go to go to Matthew chapter six, Matthew six. Now some of these are really easy to fix, Amen. Uh, if I have unconfessed sin, uh, I can confess it. I, the sadness leaves, and I have joy again. Amen. Uh, if I have jealousy, I can I can slap myself and say that's not right. <laughs> Get rid of that. <laughs> you know, uh, there's some things that are that are easy to fix. Some uh, some are not quite so easy. But uh, notice this one. To me, this one's hilarious. Matthew chapter six, verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou when thou fastest anoint thy head and wash thy face. That thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now again, uh, he says in verse uh, verse 16 that the hypocrites had a sad countenance. So the hypocrites were sad. All right. Now. Here's what happened, all right? The hypocrites, they wanted everybody to see how, quote, spiritual they were. But really, they were very unspiritual, okay? They lacked spirituality, I mean, in a big way, all right? But these, but these hypocrites, they wanted, to, they wanted to put on an air of spirituality that they did not possess, so they knew that fasting was a good thing. And can I tell you, fasting is a good thing, all right? It's, it's not a bad thing to fast. It's a good thing to fast and pray. Uh, we saw Hannah fasting and praying because she wanted a child. God answered the prayer. Uh, was it because? Or fasting, it could have been. All right, fasting is not a bad thing, but <clears throat> but when you fast, the Lord says it needs to be done secret. This is just between you and God. The hypocrites came in and, uh, and they smelled fried chicken, must be dinner on the grounds today. They walk in the building and they smell fried chicken. They say, Oh, but I'm so hungry. Oh, I'm so hungry, but I can't. I can't eat. It. Oh, why? There's plenty. There, there, we have plenty of fried chicken. Well, just join us. Well, oh, I would. I would. But you know, we would join you. But, but we're, we're fasting today. We're doing it for the Lord. You know. <laughs> and and uh, they had that sad look on their faces. <laughs> they were sad and proud of it. Pride. I'm telling you, pride will make you sad. All right. Pride will make you sad. They were so proud of themselves for being spiritual. <laughs> oh, Christian, you don't need pride in your life. Amen? And then uh, John chapter 11. John 11. John 11, verse 32. This is the last one I want to look at. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. The death of a friend or loved one can cause sadness in our lives. Most of us have experienced that in some form or another, and it's a sad time. They said, Lord, if you'd been here, he hadn't died. They were weeping. They were sad. When we have times like that, I just heard of a dear lady yesterday that passed away yesterday morning. Unexpected. I know her husband and daughter. I know them quite well. I know they're very sad today. I'm sure they're sad today. Then I also want you to notice as we, as we read on. Let's see. 30, 34. When, when, well, back up. Verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping came, which came with her. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, "Where have you laid him. They said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. You see, I believe Jesus had some sadness connected with us as well. Now, uh, Jesus, I believe, was sad because he saw their sadness, was sad for them, all right? Uh, I'm sad for my friend today, all right? I believe that in that respect, Jesus was sad. But I don't believe Jesus was sad because his friend Lazarus died, because, you see, the disciples were saying, what's taking you so long? we we got to go. He's sick. And Jesus says, oh, he's resting. It, it's, 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 well, it's a good thing if he dies. Why? Because I, I know I'm going to raise him again. Jesus knew he was going to raise him for the dead. Jesus wasn't sad that Lazarus died. It was an opportunity to tell the world the gospel. Amen? He was, it was an opportunity for him. No, honestly, I believe that Jesus' sadness was primarily something we covered a a few moments ago. Uh, The selfless concern for the needs of others. I believe that's the main reason Jesus wept. I believe his sadness was because he was concerned for those who didn't know the resurrection and the life. That did not know that he had the power to to raise the dead, to heal uh, the, the brokenhearted. Did not realize what Jesus possessed. Now, if you would, let's go back to where we began. Back, back to Genesis 40. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll be there in a minute. Stick a gospel track there. I want to go to Psalms first. Psalm 42. Psalm 42. What do you do when sadness comes? Well, a lot of times you can you can get rid of it. You can confess the sin. Just avoid the pride. Certain things we can do. But when you can't shake it, what do you do? How to overcome sadness. Psalm 42 and verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Now, folks, when we are sad, our countenance is unhealthy. A healthy countenance will be a joyous, a joyful countenance. Right? <clears throat> if you're sad, your countenance is unhealthy. Now now, when I am unhealthy in in any area of my body, Sometimes, you know, you, you know how men are, all right? Sometimes we just grin and bear it, okay? But, but comes a point where, where if there's something unhealthy, what do we do? We go to the doctor, we go to the drugstore, we, we, try, to find, we try to find a remedy to fix what's broken, okay? We try to find a remedy so we can, we can, we can get that taken care of, all right? We want to be healthy. Now, <clears throat> uh, the psalmist said that God is the health of his countenance, when, when I'm sad, my countenance is unhealthy. God is the health of my countenance. I go to God to fix my sadness. All right, He's the one, he's the one that can make that difference for me. Now, we look, look at the, the verse a little bit closer, and, and, uh, and basically what he's saying in the first half of the verse is, why am I sad? But then he, he tells himself to hope in God. My hope is built on nothing and nothing less than than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I need to put my hope in God. My faith, my trust, my hope is in Him. If I have hope in God, it's going to be okay. But but if my hope is in me, if my hope is in man, if my hope is in somebody else, uh, we're going to let each other down. But my hope needs to be in God. David said, my hope is in God. And and he he says I shall yet praise him. Now how do I praise God when I'm sad? I'll tell you, praising God is key toward getting over the sadness. It's key toward moving ahead. You see, what we do, what we want to do, preacher. Sometimes we we want to, we want to focus on that one area of our life. Okay, we we mentioned several. Uh, there are other things that can cause sadness in our lives. We want to focus on that one area. And it's like, everything's going wrong. Wait a minute, wait a minute, are you sure? No, no, it's that one area that's in the forefront of your mind, it's all you can think about, that one area is going wrong. And we say, oh, I can't stand this, the, the storm I'm in, it's, it's a horrible thing. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. What do you do? You start praising God for all the blessings. You see, I'm sad because of whatever. But the car started this morning. I've had mornings that it wouldn't start. The car started. My feet worked this morning. My legs supported me when I got out of bed. Amen. Preacher had voice to speak. Sometimes, sometimes we have blessings that we, that we don't realize. And we get to focus on the one problem. And it devastates us. Why not praise God for the good things? And so many folks just wonder, they, they were baffled by the fact that I was still preaching after, after my wife had died. Well, I'm not holding that against God. I trust him. I don't know why he did it. I may never know why. Maybe when I get on the other side, we'll understand it better by and by. You know, he may explain it to me, Uh, but it's okay. I trust him. And I thank God that, that, that she died in a peaceful way. I thank God she didn't have to go into a nursing home. I thank, there's so many things I could thank God. I thank God that, that he allowed us to serve together for most of those two years that she was dealing with the brain cancer. Uh, we could still serve together. When she no longer had the voice to sing, she would play the piano for me as I sang. And and so many things I could thank God for, but folks were saying, well, well, well I can't understand why, why are you still preaching? And I did even have preachers out. Me. I just wondered, are you, are you still preaching? Well, yeah, I'm preaching. It's what God called me to do, amen? Uh, you see, we, we, we go and we praise the Lord for all the blessings in our lives. Drop down to 40, chapter 43 or Psalm, Psalm 43 uh, and, and look, at, uh, look at verse 4. Then will I go unto the altar of God unto my exceeding joy... Yea, upon the harp I will praise thee, O my God. Then we're talking about praising the Lord again. And and also notice that he said, I'll go to the altar of God. Use the altar, church. It's three times we've mentioned it this morning. Use the altar. He says, I'll go to the altar of my God. And notice the next two words. My exceeding joy. You see, before, before that sadness came into your heart, you were doing all right. Nobody likes change. Just just keep me on an even keel. I'm happy. I'm all right. And then all of a sudden the bottom drops out. And the sadness rolls in. And we're dragging a lip. Oh, I don't know if I can go on. Oh, it's so horrible. Oh, it's so bad. Again, God is the health of my countenance. But he is also not my joy. You see, I had joy before. The sadness came in. But he's my exceeding joy. You see, I, I, can, I can be having a hard time and I go to the Lord, and, 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 and the, Lord, the Lord restores, not just restores my joy, folks, but he gives me exceeding joy. In other words, I can have more joy after going to God, the health of my countenance. I can have more joy after getting, getting with God than I had before the problem came up. He's my exceeding joy. Uh, God doesn't want, just want us to get by in this life. No, he wants us to have abundant life. Yeah. Even on this earth. I know heaven's abundant. I know the streets of gold and the I got all that. But even on this, on this earth, he wants us to have fullness of joy. Yeah. He doesn't want us to stay in, in, a, in a sad situation. Notice the next verse in Psalm 43, verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Now, now some of you are saying, Brother Black, you already read that verse. Oh, no, I didn't. That's why you ought to bring your Bible with you. All right. Follow along in the scripture. That was Psalm 43 or 42. That was Psalm 42 and verse 11 that I read a few moments ago. This is Psalm 43, verse 5, almost identical word for word. You say, well, Brother Black, why, did, why, why is it in there twice? seems like a, a waste of paper and ink, doesn't it? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. You see, God knows that you and I have emotion. He created us that way. He knows that we're going to experience times of sadness. And he does not want us to stay there. So I believe that God told the psalmist to put it in there a second time. Actually, you can find something very similar to it earlier in Psalm 42. Put it in again. I don't want them to miss it. You see, I'm the health of their countenance. I want them to look to me. I don't want them to look to, 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 look to the psychiatrist. I don't want them to go to the drugstore. I want them to come to me when they're sad. I want to lift their spirits. I want to help. I want to be the health of their accountants. Now, I can't tell you that there's never a time when you may need physical help from a doctor or a pharmacist. I can't tell you that. But I can tell you the vast majority of times you'll find help at the altar, you'll find help in the book, you'll find help from God. The vast majority of the times. You see, what our human tendency is, is to run to the doctor and ignore our God. He is the health of our countenance. Let's let's jump back to where we began in Genesis 40 and we'll wrap it up. Genesis 40. Genesis 40, verse 6 and 7. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house saying, Wherefore, look ye so sadly today. Now, it doesn't appear that Joseph is sad. Do you ever think about that? Now, now these guys have been there for a little while. All right. Joseph's been there a lot longer than they had. (laughs) You remember how Joseph ended up in Egypt to begin with? His brothers were going to kill him. He heard the whole conversation, I'm quite sure. They threw him into a pit. And then one of them says, hey, let's sell him. We can get a little money out of him. We, we, we hate his guts. That'll get him out of town, and we'll have a little cash. Now, now, now you can't tell me that Joseph didn't experience sadness. Of course that's going to make you, if, 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 you know, I, I can't imagine somebody that callous, that, that, that your family hating you. And, and, and talking about killing you or selling you to, 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 to be a slave, that, that, that wouldn't make you sad. Then, then Joseph gets there and, 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 and he becomes a servant for, for a man named Potiphar. And he's, he's just doing the best he can, uh, uh, you know, under the circumstances, so to speak. All right. <clears throat> doing a great job. And Potiphar's wife lies on him. Slander. And that ends, up, ends him up in the prison. Now, now I don't know about you, but, but I think I'd be sad. When these guys walk in and Joseph looks at them, or Joseph walks in on them and looks at them and says, What's up, guys? Why are you so sad? I, I, think, I think my response might have been, on a good day, when, when they didn't appear sad, like, What's wrong with you guys? What are you smiling about? Hey, we're in prison here. There's no reason to be happy. There's no reason to have a smile on your face. What's your problem? No, 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 it was the other way around. What's your problem? You're sad. Well, duh, we're in prison. But Joseph doesn't appear to be sad. Have you ever noticed that folks who walk with God are less likely to become overcome with sadness? that have a consistent walk with the Lord. I mean, they're, they're, they read their Bibles, they're faithful to the house of God, they serve the Lord. Rarely do you find somebody like that that is overcome by sadness. Now, now, honestly, folks, I didn't say that they're never sad. I said overcome by sadness. You see, folks that walk with the Lord overcome the sadness rather than being overcome by the sadness. You all know folks that have been overcome by sadness? I'm sure you do. Somebody that they were doing all right and all of a sudden the bottom fell out. Something went wrong in their lives. It could have been the death of a a loved one. It it could have been been an unfulfilled dream. It could have been any, any number of these things. And they never recovered. They never recovered. They're sad all the time. Quite often, they quit on God. They're no longer serving in any capacity where maybe they used to teach a Sunday school class or sing in the choir. Sometimes they don't even attend church or maybe they were faithful members before. But because of a problem that made them sad, they've never recovered. Christian, that should not be you. It should not be me. That's not God's plan for our lives. He does not want us there. Joseph didn't stay there. He was sad, yes, but he overcame the sadness and did his best for Potiphar. He overcame his sadness and was an encouragement and a help to those men in the prison that he was with. I want you to see what Joseph's father had to say about him before he dies. Go to the the end of the book, Genesis 49. Joseph's father, Jacob, Gets all his boys together. He knows that his days are numbered. He's only going to be there a short while. And he gets his family together. And he talks with each of the boys. And he brings up some things and some of the things he has to say about them and about their future because of the lives they live, because of the type of individual they were. Some are not pretty, but Joseph, I mean, Jacob is very honest. And he gets down to Joseph in verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well, whose branches run over the wall. Reminds me of Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Like a tree planted by the river of water. Here's Joseph. His His branches are going over the wall. His roots are founded down near the well plenty of source of strength. As Joseph, he goes on, he carries on. Joseph is fruitful, not just existing, not just getting by, but he's a fruitful bow by a well. His branches run over the wall. He, he, he excels regardless of what goes on around him, regardless of his circumstance. Verse 23, the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. His brothers. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. God was his strength. Here, <clears throat> Jacob is saying, brothers, I, I want you to see, boys, I want you to see. Joseph stood strong in, in trial and tribulation. He was shot at. He was hated. He was sold. Things didn't go his way. He had every reason to be sad. But the God of Jacob gave him strength. And he stood, stood tall. And he overcame the difficulties. He overcame the sorrow. He overcame the heartaches. And now here he is, a ruler of the land. We're going to experience sadness, folks. You see, Joseph knew that his strength was in God. Joseph knew that God was his exceeding joy. Joseph realized that God was the health of his countenance. I don't know why God put this message on my heart, folks. But if we're not experiencing sadness, we will. And we can be an overcomer. It's what God wants for us. God loves you. God cares about you. He cares about what you're going through. That's why he invites us to the altar. Talk to me about it. Share your burden with me. I love you. I care about you. I want to help you through this. I want you to have joy. I want you to have exceeding joy. I want your countenance to be healthy. In fact, I'll be the health of your countenance. Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Let's stand with heads bowed. Father in heaven. God, I pray that you help these dear folk. I don't know what they may be dealing with. I don't know what kind of burdens they may be carrying. Or Lord, what might come tomorrow. But may we realize that you are the answer to every problem in this life. God, it's not your desire that we be overcome by sadness. But that we be overcomers through your grace and mercy. Through your strength. And Lord, if there'd be somebody here today that's never been saved, they'll have a hard time being an overcomer. They'll do it in their own strength. But they could have your help. They need, first of all, to become one of your children by the new birth, by salvation. God, if there'd be one here today that's never been saved, I pray you give them the courage to trust you as Savior today. Give them the faith. Lord, for Christians, I pray they use this altar I pray that we would bring our burdens to you. Lord, there may be some things along the way that we've picked up that have caused sadness of our own doing. Self-inflicted wounds. Maybe pride, jealousy, things of, those, of that nature. Lord, uh, Lord, we can just get rid of that. But God, if you've spoken to hearts, I pray we'd come. Ted's bowed nice and eyes closed before I finish my prayer. Just a couple quick questions for you this morning. I don't know most of you you'd say, Brother Black, I'm saved and I know it, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if if I would die today, I would spend eternity in heaven. Could you lift your hands up as a testimony of God's grace in your life, saved and know it, hold it nice and high for just a moment. It looks like about every hand was raised. Thank you, you may put them down. It's possible I missed somebody, and you'd say, Brother Black, I don't know for sure. I'm not sure I'd go to heaven if I died, and I really don't want to go to hell. I'd like to pray for you. If there's one like that, could you just lift your hand up? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I promise I wouldn't embarrass you for the world, but I'd like to pray for you. Anyone at all, just slip your hand up, slip it up, put it down. Brother Black, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Anyone at all. Perhaps you'd say, Christian, you'd say, I I am saved, but God spoke to my heart in some way during the message. I'd like you to pray for me. Anyone like that? God spoke to my heart. Yes, yes. Others, yes, yes. I see several hands raised. Anyone else? Include me in that prayer, Brother Black. Father, you saw the hands that were raised. You know the hearts of your people. God, I pray that you'd meet each and every need. Lord, I pray that you'd be the health of their countenance. God, that you would strengthen Lord, you'd save the lost, have your will and way in each and every life, in each and every heart. And we'll thank you for it. Bless our invitation. In Christ's name we pray. As the piano begins to play, won't you make your way to the altar? God spoke to you about something. Why not come talk to him about it? Not sure you're saved? Why not come? We'll take a Bible and show you how you can get it settled today. Carrying a burden, unfulfilled dream. Hannah went to the altar of God. Got a sin to confess? Bring it to the altar. Maybe a burden on your heart for somebody else, a lost loved one, a friend. Why not come talk to the Lord about it? Maybe you know somebody that's been overcome by sadness. They can get victory. Why not come and lift them up before the Lord? So, Lord, help my friend, Christian brother or sister bring them to the Lord. Folks are praying, won't you join them? Timely message this morning. Maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe you've been battling with that sadness. Sometimes the answer is easy. Sometimes it's a little harder. But the answer is always God. Always turn to Him and His Word. The altar's open.